The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I Own College Basketball Podcast, where... We sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. And I suppose we should start with the biggest development from Tuesday night. Duke was up that in Tallahassee. The court was stormed. Final score, Florida State 79, Duke 78. It was in overtime. So a Florida State team that entered just 10-5 uh, with losses to South Carolina and Syracuse is now 11-5 with the win over the Blue Devils. Uh, dead leg, as you pointed out on Twitter, there is nothing more impossible to deal with than Leonard Hamilton in overtime games, and I'll let you take it from there. 13 straight. Florida State, whatever you do, do not get involved in an overtime game with Leonard Hamilton. 13 in a row is a uh, Division I men's basketball record. Never been done before. And it's been, we're going on seven years now since FSU lost an OT game. Did it again, one by one. Most of these games, which is usually the case with overtime, but occasionally you might get a huge spread. But FSU is doing this and winning the majority of these OT games across multiple seasons by one, two, three points. Uh, I didn't rerun the numbers after uh, last night, but when it was when it was 12 in a row, the uh, the percentage of, of winning 12 straight overtime games, when you consider what Florida State's win percentage was entering the overtime of each of those games was 0.2%. It's even lower than that now. Highly unlikely. A, statist- a statistical anomaly and a really nice win for FSU. Just a quick note on, on the Knowles here. Uh, Wednesday's court report, if you're watching live on YouTube, hello. Be sure to click that like button if you could, please. And welcome and good morning to everyone around the world. And uh, FSU is noted in the court report, which we'll publish later uh, in a couple hours from now on CBSSports.com. It's just one of a few teams that I highlight that has been off the radar for much of the season. Doesn't have an overwhelmingly strong resume, but I, I identify a few teams as kind of lurking at large candidates. And FSU is only listed in that uh, in that group because of this win. This win got them into that conversation overall. As we speak here on uh, on Wednesday morning, uh, the, the Seminoles. You know, they've got. I think it's a four and three quad one quad two combined mark. There's something. They're they're certainly in an okay spot. And if they, they had not been able to win that game then that would not have been the case. And that was the, I believe, seventh all-time, eighth all-time home win for Duke or for FSU against Duke, which I thought was more, but they tend to play close games. And uh, if my math is correct, Parrish, I think that's the second court storm on Duke this season. I think that it's because it's only been at Ohio State and then at FSU. We've got three losses. The other one's at home to Miami. So we are at two 
Court Storms. I think I set the over under at four and a half. And you took the under, and I think I took the over. Listeners will know for sure. But we're at two, and we're about halfway through the season. Yeah, four and a half is too many. Okay. I still think four and a half is too many, although we have already witnessed two. Um, real quick on the overtime thing. Uh, you're a smart guy, so I'll ask you. Uh, is there any explanation for 13 and 0 in 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 th- the last 13 overtime games? Like I obviously it's improbable. Um but is there any can you make sense of that or is it just something that ha- has happened? I mean it's part of it is situational. Part of it's the fact that more than half those games that have gone to OT FSU has been at home. Uh, part of it is that some of the opponents that they wind up, wound up playing, FSU obviously across this streak. If you really look at what Leonard Hamilton and FSU have been in recent history, like you go back and look, okay, well, since 2017, 2018, when this thing started, uh, FSU has finished 26th, 27th, 14th, 15th, and 15th in Ken Palm. It's actually not that good this season. It's 49th as we speak here on Wednesday morning. So it's also been a good team. Now, some of that is one hand shaking the other in that, yes, if you win these games, you're going to inherently go higher in the in the rankings as opposed to not. But they've been two seed, four seed, uh, three seed in those kind of times. So uh, part of it's been that. Um, but there still is a, definitely a randomness to this. There is an element of luck to this. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that no other team's ever done this. Like to win, th- you've played a team even level for 40, for 40 minutes. And then it's a, and oftentimes it's a, it's a, it's a five minute crapshoot. Some of these games actually have gone to, to double OT, but it's with each passing overtime game that FSU wins, it becomes that much more unlikely. They're going to get picked off eventually here. The idea they've won 13 no, no, straight not. is incredible. They're not going to ever okay. lose another overtime game. Never. Okay. Never. Ever. All right. Not as long, not as long as Leonard the goats on the sideline. Last know, night, man. do you realize what happened? Leonard Hamilton recorded his 55th win. I saw this. Over an AP top 25 team while his team is unranked. And that is the most by any coach in the AP poll era, uh, which dates back to the 1948-49 season. Like the last thing you to, Let's talk about all the last things you want to do. So maybe maybe it would be the last and then the next to last and then the next to last. We could rank them in another time. Um, last thing you want to do is get into an overtime game with Leonard Hamilton. That's been established. Next to last thing you want to do is even play a game against Leonard Hamilton when you're ranked and he's not ranked. You're going to get got. You're going to get got. You saw who he, uh, who he passed with that record, by the way? It was Bob Knight. Bob Knight was fifty, had fifty-four wins as an unranked team versus ranked. Hamilton now is fifty-five. Just along Kruger, he had fifty-one of them. But yes, you're... Well, you know, you know what that reminds me of is the old saying. Um, it, it's been said of it's a cliche about uh, lots of coaches, but it was I think most often said about Bob Knight. Like he'll beat you with his, then he can he could beat you with yours. You know, like like it, it doesn't matter if he's got the better yeah. players or not. And it, I mean, is isn't that on some level? Uh, uh, what we're talking about here like Leonard Hamilton does not have the same team that Mike Krzyzewski has but he he beat him with with an inferior roster and he has won games with an inferior team you know more or less uh 55 times in uh the AP poll era his team's unranked he's playing a ranked team he wins the game anyway he's done it more than anybody else Bob Knight second it's mighty impressive, man. Leonard Hamilton carries a, a very, very good reputation that's only rightfully gone up in recent years. He's no longer of that um, 
group that is like, this guy is such a great coach that doesn't get his credit. I think Leonard Hamilton gets a hell of a lot of credit and he should uh, certainly gets more than Chris Holtman. We know that, but um, now FSU is in the, in the tournament conversation. They're not there. They got plenty of work to do. They're five and two in a mediocre ACC. They've won four in a row. They've won six of the past seven. The only loss they got drubbed at wake forest uh, back on January 4th, but it was a, it was a good one. It's, it, it almost felt appropriate in that, you know, Tallahassee just has been uh, a, a little bit of a, of a haunted spot for Duke to go to over the years. Now, again, I went and checked the the stats last night. It hasn't been an overwhelming amount of times that Florida State has been able to, to, defeat, to defeat Duke when it's been in their gym. In fact, it was just the 50th all-time meeting between these programs um, due to when Florida State joined the ACC. But, yeah, this marked the eighth win all-time at home um, the first one was back in 92-93, then 94-95. Uh, here, here are the win margins. One, three, one, five, five, five. And then in 2016-17, FSU won big time. They won by 16 points. And then, of course, we have last night's win by one in overtime. So I thought it was I thought it was fitting. Uh, there's been a lot of really memorable and really good games between those two programs in that building. And for Duke, for Duke... You know, the resume is still fine, 14-3. They're not going anywhere, I don't think. Uh, and the schedule upcoming is fairly kind. Home to Q's, home to Clemson, at a Louisville team, which, hello, is outside the top 100 in Ken Palm right now, at Notre Dame, and then at UNC. So I think Duke is going to – we'll probably look up in a, in a few games here and just notice that it's it's still sitting re- still decently nice, although it's not the number one team in the ACC standings. We'll get to the Canes in a little bit here. But I thought it was a little a little bit concerning. And listen, if you if they have Trevor Keels for the end of it, GP, maybe they win the game. Like we have to mention the fact that he went out, tried to give it a go. There was actually a camera that was set up that that caught him trying to uh, do some stuff there in the in the back alley near the locker room, but he was uh, he was unable to. And so because of that, Jeremy Roche started seeing some more playing time. And um, thank goodness AJ Griffin has been able to develop into the player he's been able to develop into, but. Hopefully this is just a, a short-term thing for Keels. I, I I would hope so, given what we saw him doing back there. Hopefully he doesn't miss anything, but he's not on the floor, and so Duke, Duke takes the loss nonetheless. Um, I don't know. Your thoughts on the Blue Devils when they take this kind of L in a spot where, again, they've had plenty of struggles over the years, but this is not a vintage Florida State team. This doesn't look to be uh, a Leonard Hamilton team that's going to the second weekend of the tournament this year. Well, um, I have had Duke a little lower than most, Um people who rank things in the top 25 and one um which leads every morning to people asking do you really think there's x amount of teams better than duke and like we've talked about previously i i don't know i've never thought about that but um i i know that you know it's january 19th uh, a significant portion of the season has been played and duke's resume is just okay i mean it's it's obviously top 25 good Obviously, top twenty good, but Duke is three and two in quadrant one, one and one in quadrant two, so four and three in the first two quadrants, and it was four and two in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss until Miami murdered North Carolina on Tuesday night and jumped in the net enough to make that home loss to the Hurricanes that Duke suffered a quad two loss instead of a quad three loss. Um, I think Duke's good. If you told me to put a, together a list of teams, you know, six, seven, eight deep, 
that can win the national championship, I would have Duke on that list. Um, but this deep into the season, as we've talked about a million times, I'm mostly going to rank you based on what you've actually done. I'm not trying to outsmart the results of games. Like, hey, you played a bunch of games. How have you done? And they've done well, but not as well as five other teams in the country, 10 other teams in the country, maybe not even 15 other teams in the country. Again, three and two in quadrant one, one and one in quadrant two, so four and three in the first two quadrants. I'll tell you what was concerning to me, and it has become a trend with this Duke team, is they don't rebound the ball at all. I mean, Florida State grabbed 19 offensive rebounds against Duke, missed 47 shots, grabbed 19 offensive rebounds. That's an offensive rebounding rate of 40.4. That's outrageous. Now, Kentucky leads the country in offensive rebounding rate at 40.2. So what Florida State get against Duke is better than what Kentucky has done against its schedule, and Kentucky leads the nation in, in offensive rebounding percentage. So Florida State was awesome against Duke, but some of it was Duke was terrible against Florida State, as has been the case for much of this season. Duke's defensive rebounding percentage is 29.8. I know these numbers don't mean anything to some people, but uh, for some context, understand that ranks 237th in a con- in the country. It's a flaw, uh, perhaps a-, a fatal flaw, because what it led to last night is Florida State grabbing 12 more offensive rebounds than Duke. And then additionally, Florida State turned it over 10 fewer times than Duke. And that led to a deal where Florida State took 18 more shots than Duke, 73 to 55. And the Seminoles also took uh, seven more free throws than Duke, 25 to 18. So if you're wondering how Florida State won, despite shooting just 35.6% from the field, while Duke shot 49.1% from the field, that's it. The Seminoles had way more scoring opportunities. Like in a 40-minute game, if you're going to take 18 more shots than your opponent, um, your opponent's going to have a hard time beating you. And that's what happened a Tuesday night in Tallahassee, and that's something that that Duke's got to get cleaned up. Um, they can still be really good despite these things. They have been. But uh, w- with those things, it, I think it becomes difficult to, to be elite consistently and avoid court stormings like the one they endured last night. Uh, my closing thoughts on this are have to give it up to Raekwon Evans, who hit just a phenomenal running off the glass layup to even get this to the bonus session. And then actually Evans wound up hitting uh, the clinching foul shots to to secure the win for Florida State. But he's a he's a really solid player. And I know FSU fans are quite familiar with how important he's been in spots across uh, the season and last. But, yeah, that that. That shot to even get it over Mark Williams and to to get this game to OT was was such a tough shot and a really really good one. And then you know Duke loses because that you know that goes in and we get it to a bonus session. And then um, Wendell Moore just didn't have a great shot. Bancaro didn't they didn't even get it to Bancaro on the final possession. I don't know if that would have made a difference or not. But Bancaro you know the more he's involved, the better they are. They had they had Bancaro feeding Williams you know from 16, 17, 20 feet out. Uh, a couple times last night, and I thought that was really successful there. So, um, good on FSU. You're in the you're in the conversation. Plenty of work to do. I don't know for sure if this team's going to the tournament or not, but I do know you needed to win that game against Duke to really give yourself a chance. And now they got a chance. Um, next up for Florida State, Thursday's game. They're stepping out of the ACC. They got a game with North Florida 
Uh, next up for Duke, Saturday's game with a Syracuse team that's now 9-9 nine and nine on the season after Tuesday's win over Clemson. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Florida State over Duke uh, wasn't the only interesting result of the past couple of days. A handful of teams uh, recorded nice wins on the road. Purdue won at Illinois on MLK Day. That was terrific. Uh, Baylor won at West Virginia. Kansas won at Oklahoma. Kansas State. Kansas State won at Texas. Deadleg, what stands out uh, from that group of games? They all stand out, but let's go. Let's go quasi chronological here. Purdue, Illinois, wonderful standalone game. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, noon tip, double OT. Andre Curbelo returns. What I thought was the most important thing in all this is that Curbelo played 26 minutes, zero turnovers. Hit a couple of just beautiful shots. Uh, a, a silky smooth fadeaway down the stretch of the second half. Then he had that reverse uh, to help push it to an OT. Uh, I thought that was wonderful. Kofi Coburn did not play well. Zach Eady made him look mortal. Coburn wound up fouling out, uh, which certainly played a role. Um, Purdue kind of had you know different phases of, the, phases of this game. Eady was really good early. Travion Williams was not. Jaden Ivey had a couple of wonderful plays. Stefanovic led the team in scoring had had 22 and i think he actually airballed the shot that would have either run it in regulation or ot but on the whole he was he was quality um eric hunter had a couple of big three-pointers in that one and illinois looks solid now illinois does not have as we mentioned on the sunday pod does not yet have the resume to validate this idea that illinois is like a top 15 team overall but in our dribble handoff story that we run every tuesday at cbssports.com we took the big 10 and said, what team do we think is going to win the league? You took the Beadgers. Uh, Cobb took Illinois. I took Purdue on the heels of this win. I thought winning this game was pivotal for Purdue to have a chance to win the, the Big Ten because now Illinois has taken a loss. Everyone in the league has now taken a loss. Ohio State and Michigan State are the two other viable candidates that did not uh, receive an endorsement from any of us. But I thought Purdue winning this game on the road, double OT the way it did, was huge news for that team, which is still the number one team offensively in college hoops. Illinois, I, I think you're just inspired if you're an Illinois fan because Curbelo gets back into the lineup after almost two months away. He's clearly a huge factor. You still got you still got good play out of Trent Frazier. Alfonso Plummer, uh, you know, 
he's he's approaching a point there where where he puts a shot up and I'm just expecting it to go in. He's really one of the better shooters in the country. Um, so yeah, just wanted to uh, at least spend a quick second on what was a fantastic game, uh, a riveting one. And one that uh, if if you're an Illinois fan, it, it was and you lose the game, the, the way that you lost, I suppose, is the best way you could still feel optimistic about your team going forward uh, with Curbelo back in the mix. Almost made me miss my flight. We're going to okay. leave the house until it was done. And uh, I was cutting it close, dead leg. You were prepared to not get on that plane until that game finished? I was prepared. If I have to miss a flight to New York City to finish watching Purdue, Illinois, in my office, then that's just what's going to have to happen. I made it. Everything worked out, but I didn't get to do my normal go to the Delta Sky Club and, and get a drink before you board. Oh, that's just a tragic. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry you had I to mean, endure that. I mean, I wouldn't call it a tragedy, but I would call it wildly disappointing. <laughs> but you got a really good double OT game out of it. Any other any thoughts on that on that game or we want to uh, get into the intricacies? Well, I, I, I did think Zach Eady size caused problems for Kofi. And, okay. and, and I, that, that's obviously concerning. If you were starting to get on the, maybe Coburn can be a first round pick. If you were starting to get on the Kofi Coburn NBA train, um, watching him struggle with that size, um, was, was, um, a little concerning. I, it's been a while since we've seen him not look physically overwhelming mm-hmm. for whoever he's playing against. So big, so strong, um, I remember when we did the uh, candy coaches series this past off season. And we were asking like, who's going to be the best player in college basketball. And we had, I think multiple coaches say, I don't know if he'll be the best, but I'm just telling you, he's the hardest for us to deal with. And it's Kofi Cobra because he's, you can't play him one-on-one. He's too strong. Um, he physically overwhelm you. If you run people at him, they'll, 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 you know, they got shooters. It's just, a, he's a, he, he's the biggest problem in college basketball. I don't know if he's the best player, but he's the biggest problem. He wasn't a problem for Purdue, and um, that that stood out. That was you didn't even have to go check the box score to see what. So what has he done? Like he was he he had issues um, dealing with with Purdue, um, and a lot of people, a lot of bigs are going to have issues dealing with Purdue. But you know he really doesn't have issues with anybody. And then suddenly on MLK Day we watch him struggle. And then you know Purdue, uh, you know just a ter- you know literally the best offensive team in, in America. And, the, you know, they've got some stuff that's got to improve, I think, on the defensive end for them to be able to get into a single elimination tournament at the end of this and and avoid an upset because they just let somebody shoot 51 percent on them. Um, but that that's one of the best teams in the country. You know, I mentioned earlier, if you told me to put together a list of teams that can win the national title, you know, six, seven, eight teams uh, that Duke would be on it, even if Duke doesn't have the resume to support that type of ranking right now. Purdue would also be on that list for me. And Purdue also has the resume uh, to support it. So that was Monday. Um, on Tuesday, uh, Baylor, West Virginia was kind of an early tip. Um, yeah, it went, I like it, though. It went, it, went er- well, it went earlier than normal. Yeah. And Baylor is without James Akinjo. And they're on a two-game losing streak. And like... You're on a two-game losing streak, and you're on the road at West Virginia, and you're without your leading scorer. That's not that's not great on the surface, and yet they go in there. They take a 16-point lead. They gave that lead up, by the way, at one they point, yeah. but you know, settled down the stretch, and 
and wins the game. And now Baylor is six and one in quadrant one, leads the nation in quadrant one victories, two and one in quadrant two, so eight and two in the first two quadrants. And last week after they lost, really after they lost that first game, I didn't have many people take issue with me just dropping them to two. I had Baylor one. They lost that game. I dropped them down to two. I think moved Auburn up to one, maybe. That's where we were. And then they lost the other game over the weekend. And like I do every morning, wake up, and I just take a look at the body of work. It's not the only thing I do. I do take into account how you're playing lately, all sorts of variables. But the main thing this deep into the season is what does your resume look like? Where do you deserve to be relative to the rest of the country? Like we talked about on a previous podcast, I don't get caught up. It's wild how many people on Twitter get caught up in how many spots a team rises or drops. I never care. I just want to know where do you fit in this list of teams I'm staring at? Where do you fit? And even after Baylor lost that second game last week, it was obvious to me they still fit in the top four. You can't find four bodies of work better than Baylor's. Like, I, I don't understand the logic behind somebody had a bad week, so let's forget about the first nine weeks. Like, like the first nine weeks happened too. Let, so let, let's let's take let's let's throw week 10 into it and now look at it as intelligently as we can. And there was no way to look at Baylor's resume, even on a two-game losing streak, and conclude that it was anything other than a top four resume. Evidence being Jerry Palm updated his bracket after Baylor's two-game losing streak, and guess what? He still had Baylor as a one seed. And so I never dropped Baylor out of the top four. Obviously, after a win like the one they got Tuesday at West Virginia, they they remain in the top four. And now they literally have more quadrant one wins than anybody in the country. Those things change every day, and they change overnight. Um, but right now, um, it, it's pretty clear that if the NCAA tournament were starting, this afternoon, which would be hell, because I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of a nightmare. Yeah. It'd just be a nightmare, you know. I got a lot of stuff going on. I wouldn't be able to handle the NCAA tournament starting this afternoon. But if it did start this afternoon, Baylor would be a one seed. Uh, the NCAA convention, by the way, is ongoing in Indianapolis right now, so it would really be a logistical nightmare. I don't know if there'll be anything that comes out of this that's truly headline grabbing or worth talking about, but if there is, we'll talk about it Friday. But this is the whole restructuring of the NCAA, as we know. It. A lot of that stuff is getting talked about and discussed at the convention this week. Uh, as let's stick her in the Big Twelve here. Um, you mentioned KU wins at Oklahoma, K State wins at Texas. We'll get to K State Texas in just a second. Kansas wins at Oklahoma. It keeps it keeps pace for the for the big 12 race and that's that's a nice win um man the sooners i i don't know if you looked at this porter moser so all of what 10 11 days ago he's got a 12 and 3 team with its only loss in the league you know at baylor they, they actually held themselves decently well on that and then the losses came on a neutral to utah state okay not great but not awful and then lose at home in ot to butler not what you want there and now look at what's happening with Oklahoma. So Oklahoma gets drubbed by Texas at Texas. Uh, that you know, Texas isn't looking so good as of late. Then it loses at TCU in overtime, um, and and almost stole the game, but didn't. So they lose. And then they lose at home to Kansas in a good game. Oklahoma's a good team. It's going to be a tough spot here. Next is is home against Baylor. And then it's at West Virginia, at Auburn. 
So this could this could be it could be a 12 and 9 team in a hurry and Oklahoma might might soon become that classic example of a high loss team in terms of volume that is going to have so many quad one opportunities and going to inevitably get some of those I would think like it has wins over Florida, Arkansas at UCF uh will probably register as a quad one win when all is said and done there. Just keep an eye on that. I think Oklahoma might really flutter off the radar in a significant way as January wraps. And then if we circle back around on March 1st, it might be one of those teams where it's like, I, I how can you keep this team out even with all these losses? Because it's quad one, quad two mark might be good. So just keep an eye. I wanted to at least highlight Oklahoma. They're a good win for Kansas, um, for sure. I thought they, uh, they looked really, really uh, – they look strong in that spot considering, you know, uh, Ochai Abaji didn't play the, he didn't play well for the first half plus there. And then he, he kind of shows up. I, that's what you want to see if you're a KU fan. And um, Christian Brown hits this, he hits this three from the corner and is completely smack talking Oklahoma. Love to see that kind of stuff. So um, don't know he's, if you have any thoughts on that. But uh, look, yeah. look, like I remember when they enrolled Christian, it was like, oh, they got another shooter, you know, because that's the stereotype. Um, he gets out in transition, dunks on people. Like, he's a real athlete yeah. in yeah. the way that Grayson Allen was kind of a sneaky athlete. Um, you know, people are like, oh, Grayson Allen's a shooter. Like, he can shoot, but, like, he'll, he's, you know, 6'5 and can dunk on you as well. And Christian Brown is 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 similar in, in that way. He's been terrific this season. And, you know, Kansas has just got so many guys who have the ability to have really great performances whether it's Ochai Baji um Christian Brown uh David McCormick who is like whatever the word is for you have no idea what you're getting from him on a game-to-game basis I guess the simplest word is inconsistent that wouldn't fit in wordle by the way you'd have to have a five letter word did you uh did you do the word we're not gonna spoil it don't we? did you do the wordle yet dude did you do the wordle yes I did how it many, how many guesses I think it took me four. I was on. I, I had five. I might have had five. five. I, 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 mean, I, with an, I, I started with an uncommon word. I started with munch today. Woo. Different word every day. Started with munch. Put you in a little tight spot. I feel like that's how Brandon Davies found himself in a tough spot sitting around. Okay. Well, we can continue to move on. Um, but, <laughs> gosh. I mean, you were going somewhere before Wordle, but I actually finished the Wordle right before we started podcast. I finished it. I finished it as soon as I got out of studio last night. I get I get back in my hotel room at one thirty, and I'm like, yeah. I got to do the top twenty five on one. I got to finish prepping for this podcast, but first I must conquer Wordle. If you are I, unfamiliar with Wordle, it's taken over the media, social media world, or whatever. It's a it's a word game. It's not on a. It's not on an app for your phone. It's on a website. Just Google Wordle, and you do one word a day. Everyone, the world has the same word, and you got to guess it. You get six guesses to guess a five-letter word. Simple but fun. I've done them late at night. I actually like. I like it. It's a little gift when you wake up in the morning. Anyway, I, where I, were we going? I just off off air a few days ago. I think when we were getting ready to do CBS Sports HQ, I told you I'd been struggling with Wordle, but I didn't take the time to read the directions. I just started typing words in. I didn't know what the green letters oh meant, the gray gosh. letters meant. I didn't read the direction. So it turns out that's why I was struggling. That's why I was struggling. Then I finally, I got so frustrated because everybody else is bragging about how they, oh, I got it again. And I'm like, well, then why am I really just this dumb 
Like, maybe I'm just a dumb person and had no idea. I started to question myself, you know? I was like, maybe I'm just dumb. And I've been, like, I spent most of my life thinking, like, I, I'm not a genius, but, like, you know, not not dumb. And then I, mean, I started, I really started questioning myself. I was like, maybe I am dumb. And now I'm so good at Wordle. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I have, so now I have confidence to get in my intelligence. Okay. I feel smart again. What was your opening word today? I don't I do. No, that's that's cheating. Get it out of here. I do get it out of here. It's not, I read the rules. I told you I read the rules. Don't start with a do. Those are those are the lame people. A do you get four vowels in there. Get it out of here. Different word every day. Let's go. I used Different to go word. with like I, I before before I before I mastered Wordle, I would type in like paper. Yeah. You know? But then I was that's like fine. Two, I was like two P's, that's dumb. Okay. How about this? Can I give you your word for tomorrow? Sure. Tomorrow you're gonna go with roast. R O A S T. Roast. You start with roast. roast. Okay. And tomorrow and I will start. You start with roast. Tomorrow I am going start to with start with munch again. Start I'm your morning. With, start I'm your start morning with, with keep 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 starting your morning with munch. I will start tomorrow. See how that with, works out for you. I will start tomorrow with brink. B R I N K. Anyway. Thoughts on Kansas? Or you want to talk about Texas? Maybe missing the NCAA tournament. I think we're talking about Kansas. Um, having so many guys like McCormick, who uh, can go out and get you fifteen and fifteen. He can go get you one and four too, but he can go get you fifteen and fifteen. Um, Abaji Brown, uh, Jalen Wilson got sixteen and eight Tuesday night. That's two straight really good games from him. Uh, Remy Martin played. This is what's amazing about Kansas. Remy Martin was voted Big 12 preseason player of the year. Probably shouldn't have been, benefit of hindsight, but he was. And, um, like, he doesn't play. You don't even notice. Um, he does play, but, like, doesn't do a lot. You don't really even notice. Like, Remy Martin might really be, ultimately, a very good role player for Kansas, and Kansas could still win the national title. The preseason Big 12 player of the year could be a role player for Kansas, and Kansas could still win the national title. So that speaks to, you know, Bill Self and his staff and, and what, um, you know, that KU program has become. Uh, I don't – has become like it happened over the recent year. <laughs> it's forever been. I was going to let that slide. What that gives yes. the program has forever been. This, this is what this program slowly evolved to in the past few <laughs> years, if you haven't noticed. It's really been interesting to watch Kansas become, you know, a nationally relevant program. Do you – I know you realize because we talked about it before – like the last time Kansas didn't have a Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame coach was whoever the guy was before Larry Brown. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil this for the live listeners. I've got an absurd Kansas stat. Trivia time. All right, let's go. You need to get it within three years. Okay. Okay. Because I had someone, I had a reader ask me this question for my at me section of the court report, and I went and I did the research. What year was the last time? And play along live on YouTube if you want. And obviously at home as well. Kansas lost back-to-back -back home games. How long ago, how long has it been since Kansas lost consecutive home games at Allen Fieldhouse? When do you think that last happened? M much. Is much the correct answer? It's not. Jeez. Is let's this see if a you can get it within question? three years. Is it's it not. No, it's it's happened. It's happened. But no, let's see I, if you but, can get it within three years. But was it last season? No. Okay. 
well, then it must have been, I mean, quite obviously, 2009. Incorrect. Seeing well, then, some votes in the comments right now. None of these are the correct answer yet. Well, then it was obviously 19. Is it a 19? Does it start with a 19? It starts with a 19. How about that? It's clearly 1997. You're still too recent, my man. Jesus, Lord. The last time. Get a couple more seconds since for people. What if it started in. with an 18? Wouldn't that be something? It would be something. <laughs> it dates back to the to the demise of the dodo bird. No one has guessed the correct year yet, but we got one who's pretty close. So the last time Kansas, this is absurd, dude. Last time Kansas lost consecutive home games, February 15th, 1989. 1989. That's more than 12,000 days ago. Bill Self was an assistant at Oklahoma State, which, oh, by the way, won at Kansas that season and was part of the streak. I think KU actually dropped four consecutive home games that year. Somewhat ironically, that comes the season after Danny and the Miracles. And if you really want a mind bender, we are more than 10 years further away from that date than that date was to the breakup of the Beatles. That's how long ago this was. More than 30, we're coming up on 32 years here. Absurd. I think, I don't. I can't prove this. I mean, I could, but I'm not gonna, I'm just, there's no shot I'm putting this much effort into this. This has to be, this is an active streak. There's a chance this is the longest streak of its kind in the history of men's college basketball. To go this long without losing back-to-back home games at any point in the season, you know, we're talking more than three decades. Maybe maybe UCLA did it with Wooden, but he wasn't there that long. Like, I, I don't think that any team's ever done this. I think what Kansas is doing currently has never been done. If you find information that proves me wrong, we'll give you a shout on the podcast, but I don't think so, dude. They haven't lost back-to-back home games since the 80s. How nuts is that? pretty nutty and so anyway in conclusion that's why this program has evolved in the past couple of years if you haven't noticed kansas is actually pretty good yeah kansas has gotten really good over you know here in recent years um i i I see folks arguing in the youtube chat somebody uh ruined uh the wordle uh for today don't be that person what what if i every morning first thing i did like instead of tweet stay hungry stay humble I just tweeted today's Wordle. I, just, uh, I mean, you'd be quickly vilified, and you might get Twitter banned. So, like, if I just said, "Hey, hey, guys, today's Wordle is uh, jumps." <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> I started. I started to do that with Dateline on on every Friday night because on my radio show I preview uh, Dateline and then spoil Dateline. So what I do is I go watch the previews for Dateline on Friday afternoon. It's actually how I spend my time. And then I research the story. And then I, I read everything about it. And I know everything about it. So I do a preview of Dateline. And 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 then I and then I tell you everything about Dateline. So it's like, and and so who killed Mary? That's tonight on Dateline. I said, okay, let me tell you who killed Mary. 
And then I tell you exactly who killed Mary, why they killed Mary, everything about it. I completely preview and spoil Dateline in a manner in a manner of like five minutes. And if you ever if you follow the Dateline Twitter account, um, while the show's going on, like every commercial break, they'll tweet like, "And they found Mary with an X in her head. Who would want to do this to Mary?" And I'm like, I could just jump in there every time and be like, "Well, Jack did that to Mary. <laughs> like, stop playing games." Jack was uh, jealous because Mary had left him for his best friend. And then Jack, who had a habit of chopping wood outside the home in a in a a, a fit of emotion, grabbed that axe and put it in Mary's head. Case call. Like, how long would it take for Dateline to ban me, to block me? If I just every time they asked a question, I answered it definitively and explained everything that was happening in their show. Uh, that's just that's what you don't, want, you don't want to be that guy, man. I do want to be that guy. You don't. You don't. You don't. I think I do. I don't Wes Burns I... says, you think what people say to you about the top 25 and one is bad. Try revealing the wordle and see what happens. That's facts. That's accurate. Hey, guys. Okay. Hey, guys. Good morning. Today's Wordle is Munch, and Baylor still has a top four resume. Have a great rest of your day. Can we talk Texas real quick here? I don't care. Whatever. All right. That's uh, th- this is this is exactly what I want the podcast to be. I recommend the topic, and you're like, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, go. Good. Norlander, go ahead and just do what you know, got to do here. Texas loses. Come on now. Now, Kansas State, credit. It still might be the worst team in the Big 12, but maybe not. But has now won two straight, wins at home over Texas Tech, gets a 66-65 win at Texas, and the Wildcats have some life. But we got to wait and see some more. Texas is the story here. 13-5, and lost three of four. The one win was the aforementioned win at home against Oklahoma. You like to refer to the uh, the metrics here where they stand with quad one and all that stuff. So right now, quad one, Texas is one and four. It's three and one in quad two. 9-0 and in quad four has not played a quad three game. Texas has 11 remaining games against quad one opponents. Life in the Big 12, how do you like that? Two in quad two. They've got plenty of opportunities here, but there's a chance. There's a chance that Texas is going to be flirting with, with NIT land. I'm not saying it's going there. I'm not saying that. But at this point, its resume is lacking and there is some room more than just some room for real curiosity if this is going to wind up being a thing where they can click if they if they can actually get this together and, and be a, a viable team because this was a preseason if not universal near universal top 10 team and the basketball program at the the men's basketball program at this point is trying to almost uh, reflect the nature of what texas football does to that fan base every single fall so quick thoughts on what the Longhorns are or are not in your eyes right now. They're not good. It's not a good basketball team. They got some good players. They're not a good team. And we actually talked about this in the preseason. Like, um, Texas looks like it could be a good team, but they've got a lot of guys who have, you know, scored points, grabbed rebounds, all that stuff. But a bunch of guys never won. Like, all these transfers. Transfer from Utah. Yeah, lost a lot. Transfer from UMass. Never won. Transfer from Vanderbilt. Never won anything. And now they've all gathered in Austin and they're back to to 
not winning nearly as much as 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 people suspected they would. It's a preseason top ten team. They're now one and four in quadrant one, three and one in quadrant two, so four and five in the first two quadrants. Zero wins over currently ranked teams. Like they have that one quadrant one win. Do you know who it's over? Kansas State on the road. It just flipped. <laughs> okay. And it just became one. They had to lose to Kansas State to get a quad one win, which is wild to think about. Let's not even think about <laughs> that. Yeah. You had to lose to Kansas State to get a quad one win. What a wild deal. You have to lose in order to win. That's where we're at with this team. It's a, it's a phenomenal. It's, that's tougher to figure out than Wordle. If you don't read the directions. I didn't have any yeah. idea what the green letters meant. Just you're typing in five letter words. Don't know what you're doing. That's an all timer there. Um. Okay. So, quick question on you for this: Texas, North Carolina. Those are the two day after teams take losses. Now, Texas lost close at home by one. Carolina took its worst loss ever against Miami. The Hurricanes, by the way, are a topic in Wednesday's court report. Um, so I'll save most of that for, uh, I'll just direct you there to read that, but this was a non-relevant team for three years and it got, you know, sideswiped by the FBI investigation after eventually the FBI was like, you know what? Miami actually didn't do one thing wrong. We're going to completely exonerate this. Team. We probably shouldn't have uh, looped them in to begin with Jim Laranaga's program paid the price and now it has returned. So I have some stuff there and some quotes from Laranaga in the court report, but let's talk Carolina then. Carolina versus Texas at this point in the season, uh, te- you know, the team more likely to to get it together and make the NCAA tournament. Which one would you Which one would you take? Texas is in the harder league. Texas still rates better in the metrics. North Carolina, by nature of being in the easier league, will probably have a better chance of having a better record. It's twelve and five. Loses eighty five fifty seven at Miami. This team is is not itself away from the Dean Dome. I think that's safe to say that it does not have, or at least it hasn't had a lot of competency when it's not playing at home. Saw this in person at Mohegan Sun. It got a good game on the road. You were there. Were you not there for the Charleston game? You were, did, right? Yeah, you were the, there. I was on the you refused line. to take. You refused to take a photo of Leaky Black. Gosh, I hate. No, that I was. I was that. denied the opportunity to take a photo with Leaky Black. I was there, and they didn't play well that night. You know, they were, down at the, they, they were down at the half, and then they, you know, they overwhelmed them in the second half. I've seen Carolina in person twice. Um, Charleston and then CBS Sports Classic in Vegas where they got demolished Again, by yes. Kentucky. Um, to answer the question I think you asked, uh, I, 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 I still feel better about Texas than I feel about North Carolina. And I saw someone in the comments, and I'll address this real quickly because it, it's a fair question. Cause I was saying, Hey, you know, they got all, you know, Texas got all these transfers, but they had never won anywhere. Like we, we, you know, we talked about how this might be a problem. Somebody's like, well, then why'd you still rank them top five in the preseason? Because I believed in Chris Beard. I was like, yeah, you know, like I, this could be a problem, but I, you know, in Chris Beard, we trust, I, you know, Chris is awesome. And I thought he would be able to, um, to, to bring this thing together and, 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 and compete for a national title in year one. I was wrong. They're not good. Um, you know, I had Michigan in the top 10 preseason too, just like everybody else. They're not good. Um, so, like, when I say we talked about this, I mean, like, same thing with Memphis. Most people thought Memphis was going to be good, but then we were like, you know, if they're not good, what would be the reason? Well, they have no point guard. Can you really be really good without a point guard? You look up all these weeks later and Memphis is not good, and among the reasons, because they have no point guard. Same thing with Texas. 
think Texas will be good, but if they're not good, why? Well, because they just got a bunch of guys who never won anything. That could be a problem. Um, and so now here we are. But I still trust Texas more than I trust North Carolina. North Carolina's a mess, man. I mean, they were down 27 at the half. That's the largest um, – it, it matches the largest halftime deficit that um, North Carolina has had in any game in the past 25 seasons. So that was historically bad. Yes. And then they never really made a run in the second half. Um, just not a good good basketball team. And I, I'm not certain they'll be in the NCAA tournament. They're 0-4. In quadrant one, mm-hmm. one and one in quadrant two, so one and five in the first two quadrants. Like that's not good. Now they're staring down a game at Wake Forest on Saturday. That's no, that's no easy task. Wake Forest uh, is fourteen and four, and certainly looking like one of the more improved teams in the country this season. So Texas versus North Carolina, which is more disappointing to this point in the season? I'd say I would say Texas, but I would also I would. Hmm. I would lean with you in that I probably have more belief that Texas has a better chance of getting it together and getting into the tournament. The, both could make the tournament. I'm not saying that one won't, but if you're going to weigh one versus the other, which one's more likely, I would lean uh, Texas at this point. Um, just a quick couple of notes off of Tuesday before we move forward. Uh, Wisconsin beats Northwestern on the road. Wisconsin still has the most combined quad one, quad two wins in the country now at 10 uh, you can definitely make the argument that's the third best resume in the sport at this point. Davidson won its 14th straight, beats VCU. That's really good for Davidson. It's actually not good for the A-10. It would have been better for the A-10 if VCU had been able to hold serve on its own court. Uh, and that did not happen. And I think that's probably of, of note from Tuesday. Probably uh, Michigan got it, got it together and beat Maryland, but eh, what do you want from me with that? Um, another team in the court report I highlight on Wednesday is Fresno State. Keep an eye. Keep an eye. Mountain West is probably going to send four teams to the tournament. Fresno State got to 13-4 with a win over Utah State. And that might be one of those lurking at large teams. They got a nice win. It was late on CBS Sports Network. So I know GP was up and watching it, but I figured I'd give them a good mention. And, um, oh, by the way, Muss is back and was coaching in a sling as the Hogs were able to win at home against South Carolina. Did you hear my hotel room phone ring? I was just going to carry on, but sure. Let me ask you a question for a second. Who's calling you right now? First off, you know who's calling right now? Uh, housekeeping. Love it. Okay, that, that's got it. All you got to do is put that little thing on the door. Is it not on the door? It's on the door. This not is on the door. door. What are we doing? If I put a do not disturb sign on my door, why do you call me? That's disturbing. Like, has, has, has anybody at the hotel ever called you on your hotel phone and you were like, man, I'm glad they called? Oh, um, that's, that's really nice that they call. It's never happened. Sometimes I check in a hotel because I, I live in these places. Um, like, I, I, to answer the answer is yes, because if I get that kind of call, it's usually, Mr. Norlander, your order that you uh, ordered is here. And so my food's ready. And so I go downstairs and get it. That's when, if I get those calls, yes, I'm happy they call. Yeah, but your guy can call you. You're, you're, you're Uber. True, but it has it's, happened on the hotel line. Continue. It, it, that, that's happened to me too. But, um, like I am, I, I I live in these places. Like I'll check into this hotel, and they'll be like, "Hey, welcome home, Mr. Parrish," which is the most depressing thing in the world to hear. <laughs> welcome home, Mr. Yeah. Parrish. It's depressing. I but I, yeah. I I yeah. But then you know they'll call, you check in and they'll call you sometimes to be like, "Hey, uh, Mr. Parrish, just want to make sure everything's great with the room." What? 
You just made me answer this phone? So you, what? What do we even have? What are we talking about? Everything's fine. Everything's always fine. If it's not, I'll call you. How about that? Let's make a deal. Assume everything's fine unless I call you. You don't have to call me to make sure everything's fine. Hey, Mr. Parrish, everything's fine? Yes, everything's fine. Okay. That's good to hear. All right. We're wasting each other's time. Why are you calling me? I know they, I know what they just called. They went, hey, uh, just wanted to see if you wanted your room service today. Well, I would like to, but right now I'm in the middle of a live podcast. I'd rather my phone not ring. Just frustrating. Unplug the TV. Turn off your phone. Next time we uh, do a podcast, get yourself in the clear. I just think the first word should always be a do because you get all those vowels. You no, know? that's that's cheap. Don't start with a do. That's lame. So Jerry Palm uh, updated his bracket earlier in, in the week, and he had four number one seeds listed this way. Auburn, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Duke, which I appreciated because it highlighted a couple of things we've already talked about or I'd like to talk about. He still had Baylor on a two-game losing streak projected as a one seed in the NCAA tournament. And he had Auburn, not Gonzaga, but Auburn, as the number one overall seed in his bracket. Obviously, if he were to update right now, um, he would not have Duke as a one seed anymore. Let me ask you this. To, I would have to believe he would have Wisconsin as a one. Does he have Wisconsin as a two? Yes. Yeah, it would be it would be Scotty for sure. I think so too. That's who I would have as my other number one seed. I mean, my one seeds right now would be Auburn, Gonzaga, Wisconsin, Baylor, and I think I don't want to speak for Jerry Palm, but I think that's what he would probably have right now. Wisconsin's five and one in quadrant one, five and one in quadrant two, ten and two in the first two quadrants with zero additional losses. Like they've yes. won at Purdue, they beat Houston. Wisconsin's got a really nice resume, especially when you start providing context and say, yeah, and one of those two losses came without Johnny Davis, who I believe I got the updated odds from one of these sports books on Tuesday. In one of the betting markets, Johnny Davis is now the leading candidate for National Player of the Year, and one of Wisconsin's two losses came when he didn't play. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same page here, as long as you would also have Baylor in there. Auburn, Gonzaga, Baylor, Wisconsin. Yeah, those are the four number one seeds right now. You agree with that? I would agree with that. And uh, weirdly enough, so Bucky right now, 17 in the net as we speak here. Now, it's it's the results-based metrics love them, right? And they should. Second in strength of records, second in KPI. But it's the predictive one. And the net is predictive in nature. NCAA tries to say that it's not. If you've got any sort of predictiveness in it, it's, it's predictive. 17 in the net and then... What we got? Kempom, 25th, Sagarin, 22nd, BPI. These are all the metrics that are on the NCAA uh, selection committee team sheets. These are the six. And BPI, 26. Kind of a weird split there with Wisconsin. Results-based, say, top two team in America. Predictive, not so much. So I think when Palm's projecting committee behavior, that's I understand why he would have not had Wisconsin on the two line or on the one line. Now I think you kind of have to. Maybe them and split them or Arizona at this point, but it is, uh, it is interesting. But yeah, Auburn is the best overall seed at this point as we speak. And I don't think there's really much to, uh, to argue with that. So it was, it was nice to see, uh, that and Auburn's at 16, one Auburn's next game comes tonight at home against Georgia over under <laughs> just for fun here over under Auburn wins this game by 24 and a half points. I would take under. You're going to say, I'll go over. I think they're going to win by at least 25. 
I mean, I talked to Bruce Pearl earlier in the week, and he was like, this is a a, a, a trap game situation. Like, um, you know, they just beat their in-state rival. They've got Kentucky coming up, and now you've got a, a not great Georgia team. You know, he was he was he seemed somewhat concerned that, you know, I've got to make my guys focus on this one. Don't look back at what we've done. Don't look ahead at Kentucky. Let's just knock this one out. And and then let's focus on John Calipari's Wildcats, which is setting up to be um, a tremendous game uh, Saturday leading into the NFL playoffs. It's on CBS. That's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Um, it should be a game featuring the number one team in America in the AP poll. Like when you turn that on, America's most watched network on Saturday, and you see it, it should have Auburn with a one beside its name. But it's not. It's going to have a two beside its name. And we won't spend a lot of time on this, but it is outrageous that Auburn is not ranked number one in the country right now. And it is mostly because one AP voter. <laughs> outrageous. It's outrageous. What's, what's more outrageous, Auburn not being ranked number one, or are you getting phone calls in your hotel room? Rate them. Which one's, there, what's there, more outrageous? What? What? You got to pick. Which one? Auburn not being okay. ranked number one. All right. There you go. They're equally outrageous in the sense that you can't you can't defend either one of them intelligently if you care about the results of games at all. I don't know where we got to a point where well you can do you can you can make the case for Gonzaga still if you are not ranking teams based on resume for the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga you, still projects as the better team. If you, you don't can make the case, do we agree or not agree that you should like the results of games should matter? The results of games should matter for sure, but you can still like if it was my ballot, I wouldn't be ranking teams based on their NCAA tournament resume. And I think Gonzaga is a better team than Auburn, well, so I well, would put Gonzaga number one, and I would have had Auburn too. You would rank Gonzaga number one right now. I would even, rank Gonzaga number one right now. Yes. Even okay. You know what? Like as I said on a previous podcast, I don't even have an issue with somebody putting Gonzaga one and Auburn two. For the reasons you've stated, I pure. I would purely do it because this: if they played tomorrow on a neutral, and you made me pick the game, I would pick pick Gonzaga to beat Auburn, and so because of that, I would say, okay, then I have to put Gonzaga ahead of Auburn. That's, that's why. That's, that's that, it. Yeah, but that that disregards the results of games. I mean, do you do that throughout the but ranking? The AP all the way? Is not the selection committee. It's not, you, its job is not to assemble teams in terms of what teams should be one seed, two seed. That's what you do with yours, but it's not the role. It's not the role of the AP poll. Gonzaga was once the sixth rated team in the country heading into the NCAA tournament, and it was a number six seed in the NCAA's. So they just aren't functioning in those kind of ways. If, okay, if you want them then, to, that's fine. But then define define the role of the AP poll. What is it? It's to give you a broad scope, a list of the best teams in men's and women's college basketball in any given week. So will you, the logic you'll take trying to determine between number one and number two, do you take it throughout? Is it the same way you decide three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? 10, keep on going? Generally speaking, if the resumes are close, yes. But the results should matter. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm not also, I think it's very narrow. Like, I think that the difference here is extremely narrow. And, and part of this is because Gonzaga, uh, granted, I know the competition, but BYU was in there. Gonzaga's looked ridiculous. as Like, it's, it's averaging 113, 14 points. So because it's kind of rounding into form coming off a of COVID pause, I would just put, I would put the Bulldogs number one. That's all. For, it's for very, me, very narrow. For yeah. me, the issue isn't, um, Gonzaga being ranked number one and 
Auburn being ranked number two on a ballot. I disagree with that. I fundamentally think you should respect the results of games. Like uh, the point per possession numbers are interesting. Pay attention to them. The betting markets do. But ultimately, like somebody wins, somebody loses. I'm more interested in respecting the results of games. But what? Okay. But how do you square this with your longstanding principle that you don't drop teams for not losing? Because sometimes this runs against what you're saying here. You will you will have dropped teams for not losing and rewarded Auburn subsequently. I I have I have dropped teams for not losing before. But you don't. But you don't do it often, right? I don't. I don't. I don't like to do it if only yeah. because. If you put me in, in in charge of the ranking tool, I would get rid of the little arrows that say up and down because people get too caught up in that. I like I've I've actually requested, can we get rid of those arrows? Because people get caught up like, well, they won yesterday and you dropped them. Well, no, they didn't get, I didn't drop them as much as they got pushed down because somebody jumped them. That's gonna happen in this morning's top 25 and one. And somebody will say something about it. Um, so like I do it enough to where I wish we could get rid of those arrows so people wouldn't get caught up on it. Um, I'm not against dropping somebody um, after they win. Um, if, if uh, you know, if, if that's what, um, you know, my approach suggests should happen. But, but either way, here, here's my larger point. Argue Gonzaga, Auburn all day long if you want. And depending on your approach, you can reach a different conclusion. I acknowledge that. If you are um, tied to the metrics, then Gonzaga is going to rate higher than Auburn in almost all of them, not strength of record, but, but, but in, in almost all of them. Um, if you're focusing on the results of games, Auburn clearly is, should be number one ahead of Gonzaga. That's, I why, agree Jerry, with you. that's why Jerry Palm has them as the number one overall C. My issue is having Gonzaga one and having Auburn nine. Um, yeah, I know. I know. And, 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 and the reason it actually mattered so much this week that one voter had Auburn nine is that it literally cost yeah. Gonzaga. I mean, it literally cost Auburn an opportunity to be number one in the AP poll for the first time in school history. It, it cost them a real achievement that yes, does matter. I see people on Twitter sometimes say it's January. It's a poll. Who cares? Bruce Pearl cares. The Auburn administration cares. The Auburn fans care. Ask Matt Painter what it meant for Purdue to be moved to number one in the AP poll for the first time in school history earlier this season. This stuff matters to people. You know, I talked to Bruce earlier in the week. He said, when you walk into our locker room, there's a, like a, a, a sign there that uh, you know, it's got the Auburn logo. And then it says on each side of it, it says, make history. It doesn't say play well. It doesn't say go win. It doesn't say um, stay focused. It literally says make history. And we had a chance to make history. And somebody voted us ninth. And we didn't. And that's the only reason we didn't. And that's like, you know, that, that's like, I don't want to rant and rave about it, but like, that's not a good thing. Like, there's no, unless you're just saying, but look at Ken Palm, there's no way you can look at what's happened in the season. We talked about it on Sunday night. Who deserves? Not what do the computers say are the best teams in the country on a points per possession basis, but based on the games that have been played, who deserves to be ranked number one, number two, number three? And you can't find eight teams that deserve to be ranked ahead of Auburn 
And because somebody did, based on their approach, it it actually cost Auburn a chance to make history. And I just think that's wrong. Yeah, by the way, I'd have Auburn number one in my rankings. I was just trying to whip you into a frenzy and play devil's advocate, but they haven't lost since like the week of Thanksgiving. So <laughs> I would I would pick Gonzaga if they play the Auburn tomorrow on a neutral. But I was that's just fine. That's I was, but I but I actually would have Auburn. Like my power rankings will go up Thursday. As long as Auburn doesn't win tonight, Auburn's gonna be number one in the power rankings. I was just trying to trying to rev you, buddy. I was trying to I was trying to, you know. No, I, like, I, I uh, seldom do that. I was I was I was kind of disingenuous, but I was actually trying to provide a a straight faced devil's advocate argument against it but well I if think, if why if if while you were doing that i looked confused i was like didn't this didn't this m effort like just I was, I, three I, nights ago tell me he agreed auburn should be ranked number one What's i was just trying about? i was just trying to get you into a thing was, no i, I think auburn confused. if you really really want to stretch to make the case for gonzaga and some poll voters listen gonzaga was rated higher they, they didn't lose they're gonna i get all that but auburn based on everything that i would truly hold valuable for ranking teams they have the longer win streak. They have the better record. They've looked really, really good as of late. Um, Resume-wise, it's better. Uh, Auburn is more valid at number one, but I wanted to at least just tee you up one more time and and make the and make the case. So yeah, I guess I guess I guess the the main thing I'd push back on. I see, like I said, I see this on Twitter sometimes. Is that the polls don't matter? They do matter. Like that's an achievement to be ranked number one in the country. You know, maybe it doesn't matter at Duke or Kentucky, you know, places that have done this often. But at Auburn, like, it, it matters. And to have that achievement um, robbed from them because of an approach to ranking teams that everybody except the voter who does it, uh, just about everybody at least, um, recognizes is wildly illogical. Um, is is um it's not it's not a good thing for it's just not a good thing it, you know it's one thing when it it, it okay it, that silly vote didn't make a difference in the order of things this week it literally putting them ninth cost them number one if the voter would have just put them in the top four which is what 59 of the other 60 ap voters did like just put them in the top four put yeah. gonzaga one put somebody else two somebody else three put auburn four if you just have them in the top four auburn's ranked number one in the country right now based on the way those points are tabulated. And yet you put them nine, and it cost them a chance to be number one in the country. It cost them a chance to do what the sign in their locker room says they wanted to make history. They had a chance to make history, and it was robbed of them because somebody put them on a ballot, a place that they, 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 they obviously don't deserve to be. On a points per possession basis, I got you. I understand. Like I look, I I got a Kim Pop subscription just like everybody else. I like I know I know what you're looking at, but we are deep into this season. A lot of games have been played. Who deserves, based on what they've done and haven't done, to be ranked where Auburn should be number one? There's no scenario they should be out of the top eight. 
Uh, we're pushing past an hour so we can wrap here. But just a heads up on games. We try and give you at least a few at the end of these in these midweek episodes. Uh, GP's in studio again tonight on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Marquette at Villanova is an 8 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Network. The best game of the night is probably Kentucky at Texas A&M. A&M is 15-2 and has a horrendous non-conference schedule. So this actually is a, a prove-it moment for Buzz Williams' team. That's an 8.30 tip. LSU plays at Alabama. That's obviously an urgent game for the Tide. That's your 7 o'clock tip on ESPN two, keep an eye on Iowa at Rutgers. Rutgers is at large cases and completely dead, but it needs to win that kind of game. Eight thirty tip on the Big Ten Network, and then a couple of projected bubble teams: Mississippi State at Florida, uh, six thirty tip on the SEC Network. That's on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, Purdue at Indiana sets up as the best one. Seven o'clock tip on Fox Sports One. Um, I mentioned the Mountain West is, is doing well for itself. Boise State has won 10 straight. It's on the road against Utah State. See if we can keep it going. Arizona plays at Stanford. Stanford, maybe a, a deep sleeper for an at-large. It's got to win those kind of games. And then um, UCLA will go on the road and play Utah. UCLA will be favored to win that game. Utah's not that good. But just, you know, some of these teams in these spots may be a little bit tricky. So that's your Wednesday and Thursday big-picture college hoop schedule. We will be back on Friday morning, obviously, 10 a.m. Eastern, as always. If you have not subscribed to the podcast and YouTube, be sure to do so, and then you'll get the ding when we go live. And uh, we will talk to GP from his place in Memphis, or in Mississippi, I should say, because he's going to be on sideline, and we'll preview this on Friday. But he will be on sideline, big CBS, Kentucky-Auburn on Saturday. Awesome assignment. Looking forward to it. And I, uh, I presume that will be a significant portion of what we get to on the Friday episode. Yeah, um, that's going to be great. I, I can't wait to get there. Um, looking forward to when we move these Wednesday podcasts to noon Eastern. We should think they about say that. they say they say 10. I mean, I got to pick up my son every Wednesday at noon Eastern, so I don't know what you want to do about that. So I could just sit here and rant about the polls for 30 minutes while you, want, I'm, I'm while you go that. get your son and then you can just sit back down and I'll catch you up on what we've been doing. Yeah. I'll, I'll be here for the first 10 minutes. I'll be gone for about 30 minutes in between sit for the last 10 minutes. If you want to do that, I'm cool with it. No problem. That's easy. Cool. I'm just saying these late nights in studio and then early podcasts, relatively speaking, like when you don't go to bed to four, 10 a.m. is <laughs> not easy. And then and then late another like, you know, another 1 a.m. night tonight. So, you'll know when I drop dead in the hotel room. Okay. <laughs> Somebody out there be like, I remember I remember that time GP was going on and on and on about Auburn and make history. And then suggested he might die if we keep doing these podcasts on Wednesday morning. I mean, if you're if you're found dead in the hotel room, I'm going to presume it's because you were spoiling the Wordle word, and then someone came and found you. That's going to be my running theory. Munch, munch. What a weird word to start with. I start if you want the truth of it. Uh, old high school buddy, his nickname in high school was Munch, and so we were texting about <laughs> Wordle a couple days ago. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start with Munch tomorrow, and that's what I did. How did he get that nickname? You think? We don't need to talk about it. Woo! It's not Shout because it's not because of that. Go ahead. Shout to Devin Townie. Shout to South Carolina. Gosh. Shout to Demarcus Minor. He's a legend. Shout to Larnell. Thank you guys once again listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Hey, they're sending free COVID tests to everybody in America. Did you sign up? Got it. I did, too. It's pretty easy. That's the smartest thing that's happened in this dumb pandemic in a little while. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five-star reviews at both places. And if you're at Apple Podcasts, please 
leave a nice review. Like, type some nice words. There's more of us than there are of them. They keep trying to make it out like it's not. Every once in a while, somebody pops in. I enjoy the podcast, but these guys are promoting something that I don't agree with. Shut up, nerd. There's more of us than there are of you. More of us than there are of you. You're not subscribed to the YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Smash that like button with a nice rhythm. Brandon Davies would do it. He risked a trip to the Final Four. You're risking nothing. So go knock that out. We're going to talk to you again on Friday morning, provided I'm still alive. If not, Norlander can handle it. Get David Cobb. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.